0: Welcome to Disciple City Church Podcast. My name is Jerry Wagner, founder and lead pastor of Disciple City Church in Dallas, Texas. Thank you for tuning in. Our desire is to unleash a family of healthy disciple makers in Dallas to reach the world. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can listen to new messages each week. Thank you. And have a God filled day. This is the third sermon of our series called Ghost Stories. And our hope is that in hearing these sermons that you might understand who the Holy Spirit is. In fact, to be much clearer than that, our hope is that the fears that you have about the Holy Spirit, that they will be cleared up in such a way that you would depend upon the Holy Spirit. And so we have called this ghost stories Uh, a local church member invited his neighbors to attend church but the neighbor politely declined after some time had passed the church member again tried to invite his neighbor to church they were having a special event and he wanted him to come and so he once again he said hey would you come to church with me And once again, the neighbor declined. Despite repeated attempts, the neighbor was reluctant to go to church. Finally, the church member was kind of spiritually like, I'm going to get this brother to come to church with me. And so he asked him, he says, why don't you want to go to church with me? The neighbor replied, I suffer from two phobias. He says the first phobia that I suffered from is called phobia. I'm trying to, I, I didn't even know what he was saying. Pistanthrofobia, phobia. I said fee, phobia. I got Greek and English in my head. Phobia. And what it means is the fear of trusting people. All right? He says, but the second one that I have is ecclesiophobia, the fear of going to church. Now, the church member said to him, he says, listen, I can empathize with being afraid of people. I've been in relationships, got my heart broken, so I I, kind of understand that. He says, "But, but why are you afraid of going to church? The neighbor explained to him, it's not the building that I'm afraid of but rather I am afraid of being deceived. I can relate to that. He says, I am afraid that I will go to this church and that that preacher or those members who say they represent Jesus might deceive me. He says, for you know there are many voices out there claiming that they have the truth. And every time I cut on my TV, I see another megastar pastor falling from grace. He says, man, I struggle with determining what is right. Well, the church member, he's like, well, listen, it is safe to go to church. Let me tell you about Jesus. He's the only superstar there. Like he went on this apologetic rant trying to help this person come to church. And with great frustration, the neighbor interrupted him and said, can you protect me from deception? Can anybody relate to the fear of deception? Can anybody relate to the the, the fright that you might have knowing that there's someone out there who is actively trying to deceive you into believing lies. I can. Th- th- this phobia that he has is, is not an uncommon phobia, but it is a real phobia to know that there is someone out there trying to derail you away from God. And the dangerous thing about that, that these people who are trying to deceive you are not just people who are on dating websites. They're not just people who are in used car parking lots trying to get you to buy a lemon, right? All the stereotypes, right? But these deceivers are also in the church. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 7, beware of false prophets, for they walk around as sheep, but they are masquerading from the inside, as wolves. You think this man's fear is unrealistic? That it's probable that you can be deceived even when you walk through this door. Now, I know guests are like, oh, oh, wow, I didn't want to come to hear something like that. I'm trying to help you, right? I'm trying to help you understand that even if it's us who are trying to deceive you, I want to give you a word today but you know what makes this matter even worse it's not only people who are trying to deceive you but the Bible also talks about spiritual beings who are also trying to deceive you what? so people and angels are out there trying to deceive us the answer to that question is yes That there are spiritual beings out there who wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life and your faith. And notice I said spiritual beings, plural. Because oftentimes we only think about the Satan. We only think about Satan. We only think about the devil. But there are also emissaries that he deceived that are walking around trying to deceive you. So I know the question on the table is, can you protect me from deception? But I think there's a better question. And the better question is simply this. Who can protect us from deception? Right? It's not a system. It's not something that you can do from the outside. There has to be some internal purpose or internal person who can help you fight even in the unseen realm. And so I think the answer to this question of how or who can help us protect against deception is in the book of John as Brigadier read. Here's my hope. My hope is that as you walk away today, you will have a clear picture of who can help you fend off deception. And I only have what we call a PSA. I want to show you the problem, I want to give you the solution, and I want to give you an application. All right? Can you say that with me? PSA. Problem, solution, application. Let's get it. The problem. Many people oppose the truth about Christ. Many, not some, not a small group, but there are many people who oppose the truth about Christ. Where do I get that from? Look at verse 18 of chapter 2 in 1 John. Listen to John's word. He says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. But this, we know, by this, we know that this is the last hour. Notice, John declares that this is the last hour. And the reason why he's so decisive that this is the last hour is because in his culture, he is seeing all these Antichrists that are popping up. Now notice he makes a distinction between the Antichrist, the one who will fully embody Satan, and those who have the spirit of the Antichrist, those who have been possessed or influenced by the Antichrist. He says there is coming a time when the many Antichrists are flooding this world. Now, it's funny because this term, Antichrist, is exclusive to John. There's no other person, no other writer in the text, in the New Testament, that uses this phrase. It is John and John alone who use it. So what does he mean? What does the term Antichrist mean? It simply means one who is against or one who opposes right, anti being the prefix, one who is against or one who is opposed, and he or she is against or opposed Christ or Christos, right? Hold on to that word, Christos, right? This person is opposed to Christos or the anointed one. The Hebrew word for anointed one is Mashiach. Hold on to those terms. I'm going to cross them up and come back to them, all right? Well, what are they opposed to? If these Antichrists are opposed, then what are they opposed to? And there are three things in John's letters that he say that they are opposed to. He says that they are opposed that he is the Messiah, the Mashiach, or the Christos, right? They say that they are opposed to him coming in the flesh, speaking against the Incarnation, and that they are opposed to him being God. This is what these antichrists, these many antichrists are opposed to. If you want to take some notes, write these passages down. 1 John chapter 2 verse 22, 1 John chapter 4 verse 3, and 2 John chapter, uh, second John verse 7 because, you know, it don't have a lot of chapters, right? All right. So 1 John chapter 2 verse 22, 1 John chapter 4 verse 3, in Second John, verse 7, listen to 1 John 22. He says, who is this liar, if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the one antichrist, the one who declare, denies the Father and the Son. Second verse, but every spirit does not confess Jesus is not from God, this is the spirit of the antichrist which you have heard is coming even now it is already in the world last verse many deceivers have began, have gone out into the world they do not confess the coming of jesus christ in the flesh this is the deceiver and the antichrist are you tracking with me so far he says The Antichrists are opposed to Jesus being the one who brings salvation. The Antichrists are opposed that Jesus even came in flesh and entered into time and space. He says the Antichrists are those who say that Jesus is not God, that he is not divine, that he is not deity. What is the danger of teaching people that Christ is not the Savior and that Christ is not God? Two realities. The first one is, if Jesus is not the Messiah and if Jesus is not God, then there is no hope for salvation. There's no hope. Because when Jesus died... The Bible says he rose again from the dead, which suggests that he conquered death and he paid for the debt of sin. There are people out there actively trying to teach you that that isn't what happened. That Jesus is not the Christ, therefore there is no salvation for us. trying to hold back on this one in my community there's a group of my brothers who have left the faith and have been again to follow Judaism and one of the things in Judaism is that Jesus is not Messiah and the reason why I get emotional by that is because they are operating on these cults because of the fear and because of the lack of justice in their community, and they think going to this other cult will save them. That's a trick of the enemy, right? Do you want to know the scariest thing about this teaching? Is that not just that it is dangerous and it tells people that there's no room for hope for salvation but this teaching is coming in to the church this isn't external things being taught out here this stuff is now creeped into the church and is now turned into sound or what they call sound doctrine pastor how do you know this well look at verse 19 in verse 19 it says they went out from us but they did not belong to us For if they had belonged to us, they would would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belonged to us. He says, they went out from us, which suggests they separated themselves from among the body. They separated themselves from among sound teaching. They separated themselves from Jesus Christ being Messiah and God. Secondly, not only did they come from us, but he says, but they did not belong to us. The genitive here suggests that they they do not have source in us. They do not have origin in us in other words yes they were sitting among us and yes they looked like us but they did not possess the deity of christ they were among us but they were not of us because if they had been of us they would have remained with us i want to say two things about this and get out of your way the first thing is this now i know there has been a mad exodus from the church right? I I know that professing Christians have left and joined other religions and other cults. Not only have some joined other religions and other cults, there have also been some who have denounced Christ altogether. We've seen this, right? Now, I cannot say whether these people are born again in Christ. But what I can say and what I can stand on is this. Those who are in Christ will remain. Like if you are a follower of Jesus, you will remain. And those who are in Christ will not, cannot believe doctrines of demons. Like, those who are in Jesus don't believe doctrines that are cast down from fallen angels. Or to use my brother Michael McGee's term, like, you do not play patty cake with demons or principalities. Like, we don't do that. The reason why 1 John oftentimes is hard for us to hear is because it's so black and white. If you are born again, you will remain. If you are born again, you will follow Christ. If you are born again, you will hold that Jesus is Lord. Well, Pastor, if that's true, then why are so many people being deceived? I'm going to come back to that. But one of the things I want to stand up is they, they pose their arguments as an alternative truth. Like it sounds good when you hear it, right? Like, one of the, the, the largest growing um, religious cults among the black community is known as the Hebrew Israelites. By 2024, it will be 2.4 million, no, 2040. By 2040, it will be 2.4 million of them. That's how fast it is growing. The reason why it's so attractive It's because they are doing things that are getting results. I'll give you an example. There is a cult, a religious cult, known as the Black Hebrew Israelite, in Chicago. And they went into a gang-infested neighborhood. And it was about 200 of them. And they shut the whole neighborhood down. They drove out gang members. They drove out drug dealers. They drove out prostitutes. They showed them that they can make things shake and move. What do you think the people on the, on the porches was looking at them saying, oh man, this must be of God. Don't confuse deeds with the divine. Don't confuse somebody's work with Christ, because Jesus says he's going to come back, and there's going to be a group of people that say, Didn't we heal in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And Jesus is going to look at them and say, Depart from me, workers of iniquities. I don't know you. I don't know you. So their alternative facts or their alternative truth is pleasing because they are resolving temporal issues. How, 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 how do we protect ourselves against deceptive antichrist? Not only the ones in the church, but the ones who are doing miracles and the ones who are doing work on the outside. How do we protect ourselves? And the solution is simple for John. John says the way that we protect ourselves is found in verse 20. And he says to them, but you have the anointing. Notice the contrast there. He says, but you, which is in contrast to the Antichrist, he says, you have the anointing that you have something that has been applied to you that protects you from the Antichrist deception. You have something that was applied to you, smeared on you, that protects you from the errors and the lies. You, who are followers of Jesus, have the anointing. Oh, man. When I was reading, I was like, wow. Because... The term anointing, some of us haven't seen this before. Like, I, I can show you, like, whose grandmother in here will say, baby, go get the anointing oil? Right, right, you got one. If you ask Miss Annie right now, she got some in her purse right now. All of us, Nope. am I lying, Miss Annie? Don't you got some right now? Come on, come on. <laughs> all right, like all of us, know what anointing oil is right so let me give you um some some education real quick the word anointing denotes the smearing or applying of anointment ointment or oil or perfume in fact it can be used by either people or god it has both a general sense for medicinal purpose for healing even the burying of dead But it also has a special usage. Write this scripture down because I'm going to show you something in Exodus chapter 30 verses 22 through 33. When God is building out the tabernacle, he begins to create what we call this special anointing, the Hebrew word Mashiach. I'm going to keep saying it until we, Mashiach. Now this anointing was exclusive. You can get it nowhere But according to God's formula, this anointing was exclusive to the ten of meanings, all the utensils on the inside, the priest, and anything that represented how they would serve the food, right? And how they would serve the offering, right? This was the anointing. Now, if you use this anointing incorrectly, there was a punishment according to verse 33, And in verse 33, if you used it incorrectly, whether it's on objects or people, you would get cut off from the community, right? Secondly, this anointing was only used for kings, priests, and prophets. No one else could get this special anointing. Kings, priests, and prophets. And the reason why it was used for kings, priests, and prophets was to show the world that these are my chosen people and I am giving them authority and power to perform the task that I had given them. This is the Old Testament truth. But all of a sudden when you come to the New Testament, It is no longer just for kings and priests and prophets, but it is now for those who have put their faith in Jesus. And so when John John says, you have the anointing, he's saying, you are my king, you are my prophets, you are my priests. I have set you apart and I have called you to a great work because the anointing that I have smeared upon you, watch this, is the Holy Spirit. I got excited when I, he says, listen, it's special, but it's not just special for offices, it's now special for people. And it's no longer coming in the seed of spices and aroma. He says, now it's coming from heaven, and the anointing that I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit. You know what the word Holy Spirit, or anointing is in this text that's referring to the Holy Spirit? Christmas. Christma, right? Oh, Christos, Jesus, Chrisma, Holy Spirit. So those who are in Christ receive from the Messiah the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Oh man, I got excited about that. That that I have this ointment, this covering, this protection that holds me in such a way that it is a safeguard against deception. Oh, I know some of you are like, so, but how do you receive this? Well, he told you in verse 20, he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Well, who's the Holy One? Christ. That those who put their faith in Christ Get the Holy Spirit that comes along with that because of the Father who promised it to us. Oh, when I started reading this, I'm like, okay, I got that. That I have this covering, but but how does it work? Like, how does the anointing, how does the Holy Spirit protect us against deception? He says, He becomes our teacher and he reveals all things and all truths to us. What? He said the the way that the Holy Spirit protects us from errors and lies is he becomes our teacher and he begins to reveal all truth to us. Let me prove it. Look at verse 20 again. He says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Jump down to verse 27. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things, and it is true and not a lie just as he has taught you remain in him he says no longer do you need something external to tell you my truth he says i'm about to give you a permanent smearing of the holy spirit and he becomes your teacher now let's be clear he's not telling you that you don't need teachers what he because that wouldn't make sense because he's teaching us right now right What he's saying is the Spirit of God is the final authority. What he is saying is the Spirit of God brings clarity to those things that are confusing. What he's saying is that the Spirit of God is your permanent lie detector. It's like a car alarm going off. The more and more I, I, I walk with Jesus, the more and more I get allergic to untruths. The the, the more and more I walk with Jesus, like, I just start scratching when I'm around things that just don't seem right, right? I break out in hives the moment I hear things that are just not biblical. Anybody go through that? Podcasts that I'm listening to, I'm like, that ain't of God. People that be sitting around talking, I'm like, that's not of God. Like, every time I go to the the barbershop, I got to put some anointing oil on there because I know there's going to be some lies in there. One of the greatest lies in the barbershop is LeBron James is the GOAT. Like, that's a lie. (laughs) Right? He says the Holy Spirit reveals all truth to you. And I'm going to talk more about him being a teacher in a later sermon, a part of this series. But one of the things I need you to walk with is the Spirit protects you. The Spirit reveals truth his truth there's there's no more mystery that's why john is sitting there saying you have the anointing you have the teacher you have the truth i know most of you are great bible scholars and you read your bible and there's a natural question that comes if this is true then pastor why are so many believers being deceived There's a lot of answers to that question. But the one I'm going to stand on that I believe is close to this text is because believers are disconnected from the Spirit. One of the main reasons that people that that profess to be followers of Jesus who are truly born again being deceived by this world is because they are disconnected from the Spirit. And that disconnection oftentimes turn into disbelief. And when we stop believing what God has said about his word, in his word, about us, then we become easily manipulated by things on the outside. So how? How do we activate the anointing of the Holy Spirit? And here's the application. Stay connected to the Holy Spirit. If you want to not be deceived by the Antichrist and all these messages that are on the outside, then you have to stay connected to the Holy Spirit. Well, Pastor, show me where you get that truth from. Look at verses 24 through 27. It reads, What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us, eternal life. I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, remain in him. If you want to activate the protection of the Holy Spirit, you must stay connected to him. Notice in this passage alone, the word "remain" has been used four times, and the word "remain" here has a long, rangy meaning. In fact, when Brigadier was standing up here, he changed the word "remain" to "abide," because that's one of the meanings: to abide. Another meaning, mean, another um, meaning of this word is to rely, to rely upon the Holy Spirit. But the one I like the most is stay connected. Oftentimes when John uses this word, he uses it in a very agricultural way. You can appreciate this, right? That he's thinking about a tree branch that is disconnected or connected to a tree. He says, listen, if you want to avoid deception, then stay connected. I was thinking about an illustration for this and you know who came to mind Azaria my youngest baby right Azaria's vocabulary is out of this world right now y'all she say all type of stuff she says thank you how are you doing today oh why are you feeling that way but she has another one she brings you the cell phone and she says daddy dead she says daddy dead she can tell you that the cell phone is dead. I don't know where she got it from. I don't know who she heard it from. But instead of saying off, she says dead. And she says, huh, huh, put, put phone, put phone. Because she's telling you to connect it to the power source. All right? Here's what I've learned. That there is a lot of dead Christians because they are disconnected from the power source. There's a lot of Christians who are not activating and walking in the Holy Spirit because they are disconnected from the Holy Spirit. Deception comes because there is distance between you and God. Deception comes because you are not plugged into the one who gives you life. And notice something in the text. The issue is not the Holy Spirit. Because the text says, in verse 27, As for you, the anointing you receive uh, from him will remain in you. In other words, he has taken a permanent position in your life. So if there is a disconnection, it's not because the Holy Spirit has turned away, it's because we have turned away. I learned a long time ago in science class that when it gets dark on the earth, it's not because the sun has moved, it's because the earth has moved. And I'm learning more and more when you are experiencing darkness in your life, it is not because the Spirit has moved, it's because we have moved. The Spirit says, no, I, I didn't guarantee that I'm going to be with you. The Spirit says, I didn't guarantee that I'm going to live in this space. And the only way that, 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 that deception can come is when you either grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. so what is the text well that's why he ends the last verse with an imperative in the last verse of verse 27 he simply says remain in him this is a command y'all he says remain in him if you want to avoid deception then you need to remain in the spirit and here's what it means Staying connected to the Holy Spirit means you are connected in his word. I don't know why we make this hard. I I beat myself up all the time when I know that the way to avoid deception and the way to, to avoid errors and lies, why don't I spend time in the word? Do you think God just gave us his Bible just so they can sit on the table? Do you think God gave us his word so that the only time we open it up is when we come to church or to life group? No. He gave us a manual so that we might hear from him. One of the things that Jesus Christ, our king, did very well is he quoted scripture. So if you want to stay connected to the word, then make it a point to open up the scriptures. I always tell people, at your freshest time in the day, open up the text. Some of us have technology. Now when I'm driving, you know what I put in? I listen to the scripture when I'm driving. Some of us have audio book, right? And we love our audio book. Well, also, when you get your free credit, download a Bible. <laughs> right? Some of y'all got 10 and 8 credits, free credits on your Audible. Download a Bible. Here's the other thing. Stay connected to the Holy Spirit means you stay connected to him in prayer. One of the things that our king did well is he prayed. That he would disconnect from the crowd just to go spend time with the Father. Sometimes you got to cut off your cell phone, you got to cut off your TV, you got to cut off friends, you even got to cut off your spouse sometimes so that you can pray. My first three children, man, when they would see Daddy on his knees, they would either join me or be like, oh, Daddy praying right now. Azariah and Jaws don't care. They just jump on my back like, (laughs) I'm like, Jesus, please help me. But like, your kids, you're even training them what it means to fall on your knees. Here's the last one. We stay connected to the Holy Spirit by staying connected to his community you can't do this by yourself he's writing these letters to his 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 siblings see sometimes we are in homogenous groups and we think we're getting encouraged because we're around people but the reality is you are just agreeing because of the commonality do you know homogenous groups can hide homogenous sins like, you can't even hear that something is off when you are around somebody so much. They'd be like, man, that, that person is just like, that's just how they are. You've got to stay connected to community. You've got to rub against somebody who's saying, that might say to you, man, that ain't biblical at all. That's not truth at all. That, that, that's not God's word at all. So if you and I are going to overcome and also protect ourselves against the deceptive one, then we're going to have to stay connected to his word. We're going to have to stay connected in prayer. And we're going to have to stay connected to our community. All right, let's pray. Around here at Disciple City Church, we do this thing called contemplation. And I want us to contemplate on the anointing. All right, those who are in Christ have the anointing. The problem is, if you are not in Christ, you are not protected. If you are not a follower of Jesus, you do not get the benefit of this protection. And so if that is you here today who who is not a follower of Jesus, and you know that you are struggling of figuring out truth like the man in the beginning, please let us pray with you. Let us walk with you. Let us help you navigate what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And for those who are followers of Jesus, who have fallen to sin, repent and get connected back to the King. Turn. You know the truth. Why do you continue to walk in this? And as the prayer team come forward, man, let us pray with you and for you. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Disciple City Church podcast. Until we meet again, shalom.